to our show, Sleepover Sleepover Cinema, Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are the sister filmmaking duo also known as Two Pink Pictures, and we have not stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the very often made-for-TV movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, is that really why we love them? So... (laughs) We are starting off strong today with a classic 2004's Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen. There's a lot to say about this movie, but before we get into that, we just wanted to take a second to introduce ourselves. Um, I'm Audrey, as I said. Um, I work in film and live in New York City, and I graduated from NYU Tisch in the spring of 2019. I am Hannah. Also, as I said, um, I'm the older sister. She's a Cancer and I'm a Leo. But I am a writer, musician, audio producer person living in Cleveland, Ohio. And I went to NYU Tisch for dramatic writing. So like playwriting, screenwriting, TV writing and graduated in 2017. So Audrey and I are obsessed with the iconic tween movies of the 2000s, especially since we both went to film school and learned like the technically correct way, I guess, to evaluate media. And so here we are to discuss with you these movies that are so often dismissed as nothing more than cash grabs targeted at tweens. So let's get into it. Goodbye, New York. Goodbye, Broadway. Goodbye, any chance of becoming a famous actress. Please, don't be such a drama queen. Lola may be the new girl in a small Today town. we are discussing 2004's Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen. Yes, we are. And when we were trying to decide what movie we were going to do first, this one really emerged as the forerunner because it has something for everyone, in my opinion. But before we get into our takes... Let's just start with the facts. So Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen was released on February 20th, 2004, was directed by Sarah Sugarman. Great name. I know it is a really good name uh, with a story by Diane Sheldon. I think that's how you say their name. This person wrote the book that this movie was based off of, and then Gail Parent wrote the screenplay. The IMDb logline for this movie is, A teenage girl is convinced that her home city revolves around her until her family packs up and moves to the suburbs, where she finds herself competing for attention. And that is an understatement. <laughs> it is an understatement, but it, it doesn't actually tell you anything about no, the movie. No, that logline's terrible. I think that was the real logline, too. Like, you know how sometimes people get, like, a slug and a logline confused? Yeah. Wait, we should probably define what those two things are. Do you remember what the definitions are for those two things? Not a chance. (laughs) I think a slug... Graduated less than a year ago. (laughs) I think that a slug is, like... A little more concise, maybe? Yeah, it's more concise and more, like, snappy. And a logline is supposed to really tell you, like, Mm -hmm. what the plot is going to be, but this it, <laughs> yeah. it should define the, you You should be able to tell what the um, conflict is with mm-hmm. the log line mm-hmm. and you should, it doesn't spoil the resolution, but it does kind of set up the stakes, I guess. I thought that it did spoil the resolution. I graduated over two years ago. You graduated <laughs> less than a year ago. I'm going to go with you. This is actually a good description of what this movie is. 
When the always dramatic Lola moves from the center of everything in New York City to the center of a cultural wasteland in suburban New Jersey, she feels her life is simply not exciting enough. But no matter who or what gets in the way, Lola won't give up on her life's ambition to be a star. While the journey might not be glamorous, Lola will do whatever it takes to be the school's leading lady. I feel that this movie is actually about... You mean this film? I mean this... this fine example of cinema <laughs> and i'm not kidding <laughs> see that's the problem everyone thinks this is a guilty pleasure thing no yeah we like these movies pretty earnestly yeah it's about Lindsay lohan's character lola she really wants a life that she did not have essentially she lies to all her new friends or really her one new friend. Yeah, she wa- like she moves to this new town and she really wants to come off as this like mysterious big city gal. The tagline for this movie is so much drama, so little time. Is that what's on like the poster like yeah. on the bottom? Oh, I love that. I know, isn't that good? Yeah. All right. So, the cast Starring, and this is my own selection of who's in this film, not like the actual billing order. You got Lindsay Lohan as Lola. You got Megan Fox as her nemesis, Carla. Allison Pill as Lola's best friend. Glenn Headley as Lola's mom. And Carol Kane as Lola's iconic drama teacher. That's one of the best casting decisions ever made. <laughs> I know. In the history of cinema. <laughs> She's, she's really, really, really great in this movie, and we will definitely talk about that. But part of what makes that casting so good was the fact that this is 2004. So, Audrey, what do you... Don't look, don't look at my list. Oh, sorry. What do you remember about 2004? Like, from my life? Yeah. Like, how old were you in 2004? Seven. <laughs> okay, so, like, what were you up to in 2004? Seven is the year when you begin forming long-term memories. <laughs> I did not know that. So I don't remember really anything. Um, what you were in? What grade? You would have been in second grade. And yeah, yeah, first or second, I think. Two thousand four. I'm an angry fourth grader, but I need to tell you With about a full wall of Avril Lavigne posters <laughs> yeah. and pictures. Full wall of Avril Lavigne posters and pictures. <laughs> Researching this was extremely delightful to me because I did not realize what was going on in 2004. So in our cultural sphere, you had Ashley Simpson, first of all. Pieces of me. Pieces of me. Shadow. Do you remember that no, song? No, I only know Pieces of Me, and I don't know why. No, you know Shadow. No. Like, living in the shadow of someone else's dream. Oh, yes. yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. I don't have it memorized. Chad Michael Murray. Gwen Stefani. I'm pretty sure that um that song, The Bananas, one. Um, Hollaback Girl. Hollaback Girl. Pretty sure yeah. that was 2004. Paris Hilton, At Her Peak. Usher. Justin Timberlake. Nick Lachey and Jessica Simpson. Like, the Simpson sisters were... A big deal. Disney Channel Land, you have Phil of the Future. That's So Raven is in, like, full swing. Lizzie McGuire ends on Valentine's Day 2004, six days before the release of this movie. And yet Hilary Duff, though, I mean, she's just she's just coming up. Like <laughs> she that, is. Lizzie McGuire is just the beginning. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But I guess the real question is, like, did she not? This is maybe a controversial take, but, like, did she not peak with the Lizzie McGuire movie? I would say so. <laughs> this is really relevant because, speaking of Hillary Duff, Lizzie McGuire ended February 14th, 
And this movie came out February 20th, but the role of Lola was originally offered to Hilary Duff. Makes complete sense. Which does make complete sense, but yeah. she couldn't do it. It was like a scheduling thing. And I'm guessing it's because she was finishing Lizzie McGuire. I am so grateful <laughs> I that know. she did not get it because in that one movie that I forget the name of where she sings, but it's... Oh, oh, Raise Your Voice. Raise Your Voice, where she's yeah. like... Ha, ha. Um... It's not her voice. They dubbed it. I know. Or it's like the low range is her. The low range is her. And then they ADR in this other lady yeah. for the high part. And then yeah. they go back to I her. Know. And knowing the musical numbers in well, this right. movie, I'm so grateful. It would be bad. It would be so bad. A couple more things I want to say about the tween culture in 2004. So... Hannah Montana had not happened yet. And I feel like that's really important because I kind of feel like once Hannah Montana came out, which was 2006, all the shows that were like teenage shows became about being really talented. You know, it's like everyone has like a secret. Oh, yes, this is True Jackson VP. You know, everybody's got. I'm trying to think of another good example of like. I mean, like Ant Farm. Oh, like Lemonade Mouth, Camp Rock. Yeah. They're all talented yeah, or whatever. Else, yeah, exactly. And yeah. then it's like, that's the Raven and High School Musical were like on the edge of it because Raven had like a secret power, but she wasn't like it wasn't, famous. Yeah. And then with High School Musical, like they're all talented, but they're not like, they're not like pop stars. They're like in their high school they're drama club. just doing what high schoolers do. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I think that's important. And I think that perhaps this movie also fits into, like, that bridge material because there's, like, musical numbers in it and she's, like, good in her drama club in this movie, but she's not... The whole point is that she's not famous. Yeah. That's actually relatable for real teenagers. Yes, exactly. So you get... So, Audrey, do you get the picture of 2004? Yes, I was alive for it. I do not remember it. It's, like, juicy sweatsuits and People magazine. Yeah. Very... Uh, Oh, the aesthetic is fully formed. So what do you remember most from this movie? Like when you think about this movie, what things come into your mind? Normally these movies have a pretty clear love interest. And I know this one does. I know there is a boy. However, he is minuscule to the plot. (laughs) Like he's just a footnote. He's just a tiny little detail they throw in at the end. Um, just to like hit that little check mark for the teen movie. Uh But like he, I could not tell you what his face looks like. He's like knockoff Aaron Samuels in my mind. Yeah, that's, I think you're right. But I think he might be a nerd or something. (laughs) Like he might be like, eh, like he's not cool or whatever. Yeah, well, we're going to watch the movie and come back with more thoughts, but I'm pretty sure you're right. Okay, keep Um, keep telling me. (laughs) Oh, yeah. They have this strange kind of like storybook computer animated transition thing going on. Like, I know for a fact that when, well, there's just like a lot of fantasy elements to this movie and it's supposed to be like Lola's storybook, like what she has going on in her head versus mm-hmm. what's actually happening. And I I do like it. I actually think it's a cool, <laughs> like stylistic choice and it it's kind of unusual, I guess, for those movies, but it also kind of creeps me out. Yeah, I remember that. (laughs) When I saw this written down, I was like, oh, yeah, that weird framing device that they have. The the scene where Megan Fox and Lindsay Lohan are rushing to the cast list and Megan Fox thinks she's going to get the main role, but she gets the grandma. (laughs) Relatable. Which is 
<laughs> not not something that would happen to Megan Fox. It's not. It's fucking not something that would happen it's to Megan Fox. It's just not. And now we can all take some level of pleasure in seeing Megan Fox in that role, but it just wouldn't happen. It absolutely would not happen. Um, you cannot be that hot. No. And have someone just be in like high school. In high school. <laughs> No, that's not going to happen. But that scene where they're running through the hallway at like 6 a.m. before school starts and they're like, let me go see the cast list. And she's like falling Audrey into just like wiggled in a really good way. She's like falling into a trash can like a la Mean Girls slow motion scene down the hallway. Oh, right. But it has a different. Yeah, 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 context. yeah. That was a trope back that then. was a trope. Falling head first into the trash can and you got high heels sticking out the top. <laughs> I was just like, thinking the same why? thing. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Like, we just did not take issue with this. No. We were just like, yep, that's what happens. <laughs> okay, last point yes. on my thing, what, what I remember about this movie, is that, like, when they actually perform the show in the movie, I just had no idea what the reference text was. <laughs> yeah. They say it, but... They say it, but I didn't know it. Pygmalion? It doesn't even sound like a real word when you're, like, down. No, I was like, okay. She's like, it's Carol Kane being like, Pygmalion. <laughs> she sounds like Marcel the Shell. Guess what I wear as a hat? What? A lentil. It does sound like Marcel the Shell. And, um... So I was really into it when she was singing Changes. <laughs> yeah. Why was she singing Changes? And why is there a huge swinging stone head? And why do I know the choreography in my mind? <laughs> Stu Wolf, who's like this rock and roll love interest of Lola, meaning by rock and roll love interest, I mean he's the front man of her favorite band, which becomes like a central part of the plot. I remember him being like, kind of hot but also just like mostly drunk which is really weird in a kids movie which we will talk about and it was just like so unrealistic that he would like be drunk but like even if Lindsay lohan okay this is like maybe a lot but just like even if Lindsay lohan was 17 there's like no way that like a drunk rock star guy would be like yeah just come up to my apartment you can just play with my guitars oh my there's, like, a lot of weird stuff, which I'm excited to revisit. The costumes in this movie are amazing. There are so many iconic looks, like the red dress that she steals to go to the concert with, the black morning dress when Sid Arthur breaks up. Like, there's so many good outfits. Quick side note. Is the bottle, is the Coca-Cola bottle cap necklace Freaky Friday or this movie? <laughs> no, it's this movie. Okay, that's it's, important. It's this movie. This is something I remember from when we were younger is it was like she moves away. Small children from Ohio were watching this movie thinking that moving to New Jersey from New York City was a far drive or a long distance. And we moved a lot kind of like when we were younger. So I feel like the whole moving thing like we kind of got we didn't move that much. We moved like three times or something. But like when we went to school in New York and then figured out. That New Jersey and New York City are not far away. No, like people make that, many, many people <laughs> make that commute several times every single day. <laughs> it adds so much to the story, though, once you understand how not far away those yeah. two places like, are. I understand and relate to the mother a lot more now mm -hmm. than I did. And I love how the mother's like an artist, too. Yeah. She's got like the chopsticks in her hair. That's like a whole plot point, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay. 
Audrey, are you ready to watch this movie? I've never been more ready in my entire life. All right, we will be back. So now we're going to go watch the film, so maybe you should watch it too, and then come back and we'll all just discuss the details. <laughs> Hi, I'm Christina Yerling Biro, host of the podcast Pop Culture Confidential. Join me as I go way behind the scenes with some of the most influential people in entertainment and media. Hear actors such as Succession's Brian Cox talk about his favorite characters to play. There always has to be a mystery. The audience have to be in a situation where they want to know what's going on. Meet studio execs like Pixar chief Pete Docter and learn his secret on how he makes us cry. Emotion is our first language. And so many others who are defining popular culture, from Obama speechwriter David Litt to Top Chef host Padma Lakshmi. We don't often think about food politically or we don't want to, but it really is. Join me. Search for Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back. We just rewatched Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen, and when I tell you that our fingers were flying on our note taking the whole time, uh, that is the truth. It's no joke. There's no joke. Okay, Audrey, what notes did you have? To be frank, I have a lot of notes. <laughs> so do I. Um, any movie that begins with New York City aerial shots. With, like, bouncy fonts and things. <laughs> you know that's going to be a good movie. <laughs> that's just how it is. <laughs> this movie is set in New Jersey, but none of them are even kind of New Jersey. Like, there are no New Jersey accents. Like, there's no New Jersey culture. It could be in Ohio. It could be yeah. in Texas. It could not not Texas, but it could be like any. <laughs> it could be Pennsylvania. It could be like the town that Mean Girls is in. Like it could be there. Mm-hmm. I think they kind of do that on purpose, though. I mean, I know people from Jersey that don't have an accent. Okay, keep going. This movie relies on some Breakfast at Tiffany's imagery as well as some Marilyn Monroe imagery. Okay, just bring the level of like iconic female stars to mind you know what i'm saying yes 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 i appreciate that i also want to say that Lindsay lohan's outfits in the first chunk of this movie are very avril lavigne reminiscent they're really like evoking that vibe which totally makes sense in the timeline which pleases me obviously i saw a lot of Lindsay lohan's lower abdomen <laughs> like in this props to you mama it was (laughs) stressful honestly okay the background music that they use as a theme for carla santini and her you think we could recreate two friends yes you sing it i'm gonna do let me just say too that her one friend is casey from life with Derek. (laughs) it's distracting which is blonde it's distracting okay Okay. here's a song (laughs) Uh oh that got really intense. But that, that is it. And it's so heavy handed. <laughs> so, like, like she pulls up and it's just like, oh, oh. 
fine, except nobody gets mugged in the Milky Way. <laughs> that was good. I hate that. So much happens on the first day. Um, <laughs> Lola's first day of school happens so quickly, and she meets everyone in the movie on the first day, and it's all within the first 15 minutes of the movie. <laughs> and she's like... It's just the pacing is incredible. Mm -hmm. It's it's like fun though. Yeah, it, it like, doesn't bother me. Yeah, it didn't bother me either. I was just surprised. Like I felt like for some reason it was like more of a slow burn. But like it's you nothing. literally know every character except yeah. for Stu Wolf. Which okay, so Stu Wolf is the front man of the band that Lola and her friend Ella like love together. It's like what they bond over. So as we said earlier with the hot girl never getting cast as the old lady. That's still true. But I do want to say that I can relate to being demoralizingly casted as the old lady because that happened to me a million times in high school. And honestly, like, that is so embarrassing that when other bad things continue to happen to Carla Santini, I'm like, why can't she catch a break? Yeah. And also I've spent a lot of time watching interviews of Megan Fox where she's like reminiscing on her career and she's like I don't I wish I didn't have to play like the mean girl all the time it's interesting um what else did she say about it I mean she just so happened to be in movies at a time where that character was written and rewritten the basically the same character a million times mm -hmm. <laughs> it's kind of simple I'm mean, basically she just wishes she didn't have to play so one-dimensional all the time yeah um, which is why, like, watch Jennifer's Body. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 that right. That movie deserves a lot more credit than it gets. I've only seen parts of it still. So. Oh, it's so good. I know it's really good. Um, the only time this movie respects location is when it comes to New Jersey Transit. <laughs> yeah, truly. Have you ever been in the bathrooms on New Jersey Transit? Do they even have bathrooms? Yeah, I have. Are they like that? Because um, they really get a lot done no, in that bathroom. I haven't been... In bathrooms, but I've been on New Jersey Transit. I don't know if they have bathrooms. That, like, because that almost looked like a train where, like, you have your own room. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I grew up and thought that that's what it was it's, like. No. It's mm. not what it's like. It's a commuter train. It's just train. a bunch of seats. Yeah. In various directions. Yeah. So that, that part didn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but whatever. <laughs> As we've established, Sam is the most irrelevant character. However, he just so happens to be there whenever good things happen <laughs> he just, like, walks to Lola. In. She gets the lead role. He's there. It's like 6 a.m. and nobody's at school and he's like, congrats. Yeah, he just like emerges from a corner. <laughs> no. It does not make any sense at all. <laughs> the um, knockoff dance dance revolution scene is Potentially the most 2004 thing <laughs> that has ever been in media. Like, yes. And they're somehow talking during all of this. Yeah, they're having like a really important to the plot conversation as they're playing it. And everyone's watching. <laughs> Got a suspender. Just yeah. leave right there. The line <laughs> during that, the dance dance revolution scene. She's like, wow, your mom must be some potter. <laughs> yeah, why did she say it like that? I don't know. I hate that line. I, I thought about that too. Well, when I was listening to that scene, I was like, 
I feel like when I was little, I like wasn't actually listening to no. what the words were. No, I wasn't listening to what they were saying. I was so distracted by the flashing lights. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when I was actually listening, I was like, oh, this was like a lot that she's yeah. making up here. So like Lola's talking about how she got invited to this party, like that her favorite band is throwing. And this none of it makes any sense at all. Lola is a pathological liar. <laughs> she lies to mom at various times she definitely lies to carla a lot (laughs) and lola lies to ella's face for months i mean presumably for months who knows the timeline of this movie (laughs) they like put on a whole musical in like like a week she does get put in her place eventually but does she really because she (laughs) she Still has a happy ending. She still gets everything she wants. Yeah, we're gonna come back to that because I have a I have a relevant comeback to that point. Yeah. Okay, so bookmark and her being a pathological liar. I was really sad when Ella got into the concert and then didn't get to go. Yeah. Kind of sucks we didn't get that sequence. That would have been cool and it also like wouldn't have affected the plot. I feel like it no. actually would have made it better if she got to see it because then Lola would be like salty. Yeah. And they could still have that awkward dynamic afterwards. Yeah. Plus I'm really curious what Sid, what are they? Sid Arthur? Sid Arthur. I'm really curious what Sid Arthur's act would have been like. <laughs> I know. Well, if he was that drunk at the after party, <laughs> like how drunk <laughs> their act. <laughs> Yeah. They're, they're vaudeville. Like, <laughs> I have to say, do they like make their bases disappear? <laughs> There's like lovely assistance. <laughs> Why did Sam put the dress under the hood? I have no idea. We can't even tr- begin to explain that one. <laughs> we can't even begin to explain like anything about that character because we don't get to know anything <laughs> no, about him. And then later on, when Ella's like, Sam's never been to a school function. It's like. It's like the one piece of information that we get about him is like, what is he like a near do well mechanic? You know what else this reminds me of? The fact that he's working on his car reminds me of fucking Princess Diaries. Yeah. Because there's also like true. car issues in that yeah, too. Yeah. But that one makes sense. It's within his character, at least. Like, they establish that he works there, Michael. That's true. Yeah. That he works in the. And his band also rehearses there. Yeah, right. This one is just, like, he's, like, this weird watered-down mishmash of, like, so many of those male leads. Like, he could have been Chad Michael Murray, but he's not. He could have been the guy in Princess Diaries, but he's not. We all can picture perfectly in our minds, but don't know his name. That's so sad. I know. He's, like, I'm glad that he's not in other stuff, though. Because I think that's part of what makes him so good in that movie. Is that he's, like, not famous. Yeah. But you you would hope you could say the same thing about a guy in this movie, but he's given nothing to work with. So. Go, girl, give us nothing. Nothing. Okay. There's a lot that happens at this party, at Stu Wolf's after party, that makes no sense, including the fact that he's wasted when they show up. Then they go to the police station and he sobers up. Then they go back to the party and it has inexplicably become a white party. <laughs> they walk in. And then, I forgot about that already. That was so, so good. And then Stu Wolf gets wasted again. Yes. Shall we discuss the fact that Stu's probably 35 and Lola's supposed to be 15? Yeah, when they say that they're 15, I'm like, oh, that's a little rough. For And this is Disney. It's like barely Disney though, but yeah. It's on Disney Plus. It is on Disney Plus. 
That's how you know. That is how you know. But, okay, but we didn't even discuss it. We just said it. Well, what else? What is there to discuss? There's, there's like, just like a bunch of weirdness in this movie with like, realistically, teenagers do thirst after people that are way older than them yes, in like a celebrity sense. they don't meet them. Yeah, they don't meet them. And then like weirdly become the reason for their sobriety. <laughs> <laughs> and then like... Especially they that. Show up. You mean to tell me that Stu Wolf took NJ Transit or some shit to show up at Carla Santini's party to to give her back her Coke bottle necklace? Yeah, and also, how would he even know that they were there? I guess he would have gone to Lola's dad's house. But why wouldn't he? Or Lola's dad lives in the city, though. <laughs> he was supposed to FedEx it back. That's he did what not Lola FedEx said. it back. He rolled up. He rolled up to a high schooler's party. And then was, like, insistent that she let him Insi- in. Yeah, he was like, I'm coming in. And then he was like, yeah, you're the reason I'm sober to a 15-year-old. And then was like, wanna dance? Like, <laughs> no. And then they just throw in Sam. They just fade Sam in. She's like, once I opened my mind to the possibility of Sam... I just you know loved it. This whole thing. Okay, we skipped over a really important part. Which I know. Is, we're going back. We're going to to Ella. Yeah, yeah. Which is the fact that Allison Pill gives this like heartbreakingly beautiful monologue about her friendship with Lola. Oscar worthy. And I'm not kidding. And I, I teared up. I teared up too. But the main thing that, okay, like this is classic, but like didn't it seem kind of gay to you? Yes. <laughs> like, she was just too she emotional was so about emo- it. Now, if she's never had a best friend, though, especially if she, it kind of seems like she hasn't, not not one that, like, she really cared about, does that seem kind of... I mean, the fact, yeah. I think... <laughs> also, Lindsay, or... Mm-hmm. Lola kind of doesn't really care. Like, it seems a little not reciprocated. Well... I agree. But at the same time, when Lola's like, once I opened my heart to Sam, I was like, I guess. Like, I that know. seems like some like, gay. Oh, that seems gay to me. Oh, my gosh. The looks that she gives Lola and Ella are looking at each other. They're like happy because oh, Stu yeah. is putting the necklace on her. But like, it's so it's like the most genuine looks in the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. Like this movie. It's really it's really about their friendship. It is about their friendship, as most of these types of movies are. Yes. We don't know shit about this guy. <laughs> we know more about Stu Wolf than, than we, we know, know about, about this Sam. guy. Which, by the way, the guy who plays Stu Wolf is so good. I remembered him being kind of, like, campy, I guess. Yeah. Um, but he's actually really good at pretending to be drunk. Yeah. And he's got some Harry Styles energy, and I will not be explaining that further. <laughs> you just have to look. He was such a cutie also, even though his character is kind of creepy. There's this one part where Lola makes, like, an insanely obscure reference when she says, <laughs> it's like following Heathcliff out on the moors. I'm like, what the fuck? I think it's a Wuthering Heights reference, but I don't actually know. <laughs> it's Let very bizarre because she kind of claims to be stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you mean she claims to be stupid? <laughs> you it you is Wuthering Heights. You don't need a high IQ to <laughs> succeed in what you do. I don't know if she... Well, here's the question. When she sings that later, is she choosing to sing that? Is that diagenic or non-diagenic? It's very unclear. Oh, it's diegetic. 
Diagenic? Diegetic. Oh, diegetic. <laughs> Rip. What is diegetic again? So, diegetic music or sound in a movie is when whatever you're hearing is actually taking place in the world of the movie. So, you know, if somebody is listening to the radio in the movie and they're actually hearing the song, that's diegetic. And they're like, ah, oh, this song takes me back to yeah. whatever. Okay, and then what's non-diegetic? So... Diegetic. Yeah. Non-diegetic is the opposite of that. So, musicals, all, you know, if, if somebody is singing in a musical... Um, but it's like a fantasy sequence or really just any musical period because they're not unless actually they're unless, singing. Well, unless they're putting on a play in the yeah, musical, which that's happens diegetic. a lot. That is diegetic, yeah. like in Confessions. That's diegetic because yes. she's actually in a musical well, on the stage. But except for that last number. We don't know about that. <laughs> there's no proof. <laughs> I mean, it just seems a little. There's on no the transition. There's no puff <laughs> well, of clouds. There's no. There's no smoke. There's no like. There's no like colors. Edges. Like, yeah. You that's have why no I'm like. I feel like it is diegetic because they. Um, I guess it's still dramatically. Yeah, they're trying to make it a modern day hip version. <laughs> Eliza Rice. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's it. Got it. Okay. Every time that Carla and Lola have a face-off, they're talking as if everyone in the room is listening, but no one is paying no attention. One cares. <laughs> I don't know, like, what effect, if any, these types of, like, female rivalries have on, like, the little girls that watch. Mm -hmm. But I do feel like it's completely unrealistic and unnecessary. Um... Because, I mean, you definitely had your fair share of, like, mental, um, mental. build-ups of female rivalries that didn't exist, at, like, in elementary school. Yeah, definitely. And I think that it's the content that we watched that made you... I mean, what else could have? I mean, what else could have put that like, in your head? It's complicated because, like, art imitates life and life imitates art. And, like, I don't think that, like, Mean Girls... It doesn't girls come from nowhere. ...come from nowhere. But I think that a combination of this and, like, As Told by Ginger and, like, all those shows where, like, having a nemesis was, like, the point... Yeah. ...definitely did something. But at the same time, like, most stories have an antagonist... <laughs> it's just it's just different when like the reasons to hate someone are like are non pretty and having friends yes lola associates everything happy with new york city you know everything good with mm -hmm. new york city and near the end she says when you're happy the whole world's new york and that just made me laugh because <laughs> um I just don't feel the same way. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I kind of had that thought, too. I was like, mm. It's like, I just feel like kids who grow up in New York, they don't feel that. She's got the wonder and awe about New York City like she just went there for the first time. I right, mean, they like definitely have a pride and, like, you know, like, know-it-all attitude sort of thing about New York. But they're not, like, walking through Times Square is like walking through the Milky Way. Yeah, right, right, right. Like, they're just like, my dad has an apartment around the corner. Let's go. Like, that's yeah. kind of what the vibe is more like. As we brought up earlier, going back to the bookmark of the fact that Lola is a pathological liar, we shouldn't encourage kids to think that if you 
pathologically lie, but just apologize that you will still victoriously that you will star still, in your musical. <laughs> yeah, that you're still gonna like win. Yes. Um, no, people won't like you. You won't bounce back from that. People won't like you. Right. Just because you said sorry. I mean, like, for I, lying about everything. Yeah. Like, even with your family, if you lie like that, you have to, like, put in work to make people, like, forgive yeah. you. So, I did some research. I'm reading this from Wikipedia, I think, or IMDb. In the novel, which this movie is based on, it ends differently. Stu does not return Lola's necklace. Lola ends up with a reputation as being a liar because the school finds out her father is alive and just on constant business in New York. However, Lola is still friends with Ella and still manages to be the lead in the school show. So basically, like, the movie could have ended after she's like, that girl's me, and, like, poses, and then it's done. Which honestly feels like the end. It does feel like the end. I don't know why they had to add on that epilogue it has she had to end up with a man somehow but why though we have other like decom like movies where that doesn't happen Aquamarine, that does not happen yep no one ends up with no man. one <laughs> yeah it's amazing but i do remember watching this movie and being like you can be kind of psycho and get away with it if you're like good at stuff i guess which do some people yeah does everyone? No. Definitely not. <laughs> so, was this movie actually good? Like, okay, if, if you had, like, five stars, what would you give it? It's so hard because it's, like, I could rate it based off of so many things. What's this rating How much fun on? did you have watching it? That's kind of an unfair rating, but still. Uh, Like, four. <laughs> Only a four? Out of five. I guess it's, like, this movie is not incredible no in but like for its genre i think it's one of the best ones there were some actually really funny parts of this one mm -hmm. like we didn't even talk about lola's mom yeah lola's mom when she says yeah that's why i want to keep you alive after she goes on the hunger strike and she wants to go to the concert yeah but i feel like four out of five is a good yeah rating. i think so too honestly i love it when movies are short and this was an hour and a half and yeah. I, that, that. It's concise, but it fits in so much. Good. It does fit in a lot. I think the movie was good. Same. That's not surprising. <laughs> Correct. Like, we weren't going to come out and be like, it turns out we hated it. <laughs> but sometimes that does happen. Like, when I rewatched Read It and Weep recently, I was like, this movie is garbage. Yeah. But I loved it when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. This one held up really well and was very, very funny. Yeah, and it's funny in different ways now than it was then. Yes. Concerning elements for children, but whatever. <laughs> They'll learn it somewhere else. <laughs> right. They didn't, at least they didn't have social media then. We care about this this film. Yes. And if you want to watch it, it's on Disney Plus, and I'm sure it's also on like Put Locker or something. <laughs> it definitely is on Put Locker. It, or it's like on YouTube in full somewhere yeah. sketchy. I would highly recommend, if you've never seen it in 2020, you're in for the ride of a lifetime. <laughs> it was very good. All right. I think we've said all that we can say. Thank you for hanging in here with us. And any last words, Audrey? Go watch Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen. Try to remake one of her outfits. Ooh, yeah. With all your spare time. <laughs> Maybe thrift it. Doesn't Carla make a mean comment about that? Yes. She's not for sustainable shopping. 
another reason for her to be canceled. <laughs> canceled. <laughs> You're done, Carla Santini. <laughs> Have you had enough yet? Bye. Bye. You can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at tupingpictures.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at tupingpictures and would love to hear from you there. And if you like the show, if it brings back evocative memories of childhood or tweendom or babysitting, share an episode of your choice with your friends. And maybe even leave us an iTunes review telling us what movie you'd like to see us cover next. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts and is edited and produced by me, Hannah Ray Leach. Special thanks to mixing engineer Sean Rule Hoffman and executive producers Michael D'Aloya and David Moss. Our show music is by Josh Perlman Hall. We'll chat again soon. Bye. I mean, can you imagine this content but whispered? That would be extreme. <laughs> I feel like co- co-ed ASMR is weird, though. Co-ed or co- co-hosted? co-hosted yeah. What is co- <laughs> What does co-ed mean? Again? Like girls and boys. Oh, well, that would also be weird. But <laughs> that's neither here nor there. No. <laughs> History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the facts from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.